Welcome to Center Ice, the Hockey Alberta podcast, home to all things hockey in our great province. Now, here's your host, Ted Emmett. Hello, Happy New Year, and welcome to episode 19 of the Center Ice podcast and the first episode of 2022 at that. I'm Ted Emmett, excited to be back with you once again for another year. I hope everyone had a safe and relaxing holiday season, uh, even though, well, that deep freeze we experienced was pretty bad. Knock on wood, hopefully that's as bad as it gets, but who knows. So to kick off a new year of center ice, we thought it would be fitting to look back a little bit on 2021. And yes, it was not a great year. I think we can all agree on that. And I won't sit here and pretend otherwise, but it definitely had its ups and downs. And we really face planted to the finish line with the way things went to end the year. But as always, we're going to look at the positives. We're going to focus on the bright spots in our game in hockey in Alberta throughout 2021. So to look back at the year that was, we'll be sitting down with Hockey Alberta CEO Rob Litwinski to chat about the past year, but also to look a bit towards the future. And 2022 could not have started on a better note for one Albertan, as Lacey Senek was selected to officiate at the 2022 Winter Olympics in Beijing, which really for an official is the ultimate goal. So Kara Spady sat down with Lacey right after the announcement to chat a little bit more about that incredible honor, and that's coming up later on in the show. But for now, let's get to our first guest. And with us now, the first three-time guest on Center Ice. I, I don't know how huge of an accomplishment that is, but congratulations anyways. And he was the first guest ever on Center Ice, Hockey Alberta CEO Rob Latwinski. Rob, the first time we did this, we got to hang out in your office. Second time was over Zoom. Uh, looks like Zoom takes a 2-1 lead here, but welcome back nonetheless. Oh, thanks, Ted. It's uh, it's hard to believe how quick a year goes by, and you know, unfortunately, we'll be we'll be talking about some of the same things. However, uh, it's great to see uh, how how well our podcast has taken off over the course of this year, and, and just a great credit to to both you and Steve in terms of the work we've done to get it to this point. So, hopefully, I don't disappoint here in uh, round three. No, no, I don't think so. But again, you know, a, a lot to talk about. And I think you hit on it perfectly that, you know, it's been just over a year now since you were last with us and a lot of things have changed. And in a way, nothing has changed. Unfortunately, we're close now to hitting the two year mark for dealing with this pandemic. 2021 was a full calendar year of dealing with COVID-19. So a lot of ups and downs there, stops and starts for hockey. Uh, really, I don't know if you can put it in a too small of a nutshell, but what did 2021 look like for Hockey Alberta as a whole? Well, a lot of attempts. Uh, I've, I've said this to our uh, our members many times, and I think the one thing that this entire um, you know last two years has shown us is that we have been united in trying to do the best we can to bring bring this great sport to our athletes and make sure athletes get the chance to play um, all through this time. And, and I'm not sure um, before if we always have had that collective interest. However, the game has never really been taken away, so to speak from us. And I think, I think that was really uh, an uplifting moment. It's hard to, hard to say that with everything we've been through, but frankly, trying to continue to take a positive attitude. Um, that's one thing that's been huge. Um, we were able to work with members, work with leagues, uh, work with individual parents at times uh, through our members and, and sometimes directly to make sure that we had a number one priority. And that was to try and make sure we could see if there was a way within our current guidance within this province to bring the game back in a safe way. And um, we're very 
proud of the things we managed to do. I'm rambling on here a little bit, but we, we, the experiences we, we had should help us continue to navigate the game in the future. Things that we never would have expected before uh, with respect to changes, uh, you know, sudden changes and, and interpretations that changed in a week and things like that. So um, we learned a lot through that. And I, I think staying united, staying positive was, was huge for us. Uh, it wasn't always easy. And uh, here we are today talking about some of the same things, but hopefully taking some of that to work forward. And again, going, going way back to the, the very first interview we did and kind of the same topic again, that it, it really isn't easy. And, and for Hockey Alberta and really all provincial sport organizations and everyone in general, you, you have to work with the government. You know, those rules, those rules and restrictions always come down from the government. And then it's up to Hockey Alberta to kind Kind of determine those and it's tough because there's that always that fine line between doing what's right keeping everyone safe and unfortunately you know disappointing a, a lot of people but i think that's been uh one of the i guess maybe a point of growth as well is is learning to kind of work that balance and and again at the end of the day you know one of hockey alberta's values is do the right thing for the right reasons Absolutely. And, and I think that what we what was a big part of this, and I know when I reflect on the last two years or in this particular case, the last year, trying to maintain positivity uh, has been a huge part and it, it has been easy. You know, there's been a lot of different voices, internal, external, everywhere that, uh, you know, we've all been frustrated. Uh, there's been a ton of frustration. When you think back to 2021, when we started, we we actually weren't, um, we probably were expecting to be in the game. Unfortunately, that didn't happen that way right off the bat. So we had to, you know, the, the rest of the early part of 2021 really uh, didn't lead to a whole lot of activity in the, in the normal fashion. So we had to adjust there. And so we, we went in with a positive attitude, but realized that uh, very quickly that not that wasn't what was going to be presented to us. So I think that's been a, a big part of this whole thing is just is trying to trying to maintain that level balance. Um, you know, as we've tried to make decisions um, based on guidance, um, we've we've used that guidance as our as our shining star as as what we would define it as. And we know that there's been pressure uh, on on different sides to either do more uh, or in some cases do less. And we've tried to make sure that, you know, in our case, we're, we're taking our guidance from our guidance government and from the CMOH office and uh, at the end of the day, kind of continue to work through there. So it's been uh, kind of repeating myself, obviously, but yet it's been something that I think we, we've never really known on any given day what's coming next. And that, that's quite different for how we used to administrate. We're, we're programmers, we're administrators, we're planners. Um, things happen the right way for the right reasons in terms of the way league schedules work, the way, you know, any parent out there knows that the more you can put into your schedule um, for your children, the easier your life is. And, and we've just, you know, that wasn't totally abandoned, but we knew that almost any day we came in, especially early last year, there could be changes, there might not be. And we knew the pressure continued to mount. So um, we continue to maintain positivity and, and uh, move forward as best we could. And what, one last thing, looking back on, I guess, the, the COVID side of 2021 was that it, it still was very different from 2020 and that there were, and I guess we continue to make take steps forward in dealing with this pandemic, you know, and in the summer we saw everyone be able to to get vaccinated, have the option to, to get vaccinated, which meant uh, there were more options and there there was more optimism. So uh, again, a big step forward there at least, um, and a way that we can start to look ahead a little more into the future with without you know moving away from that, taking it day by day. 
Absolutely. I mean, we've we've probably been through this a few times. I say when I say we, Hockey Alberta, but I think collectively as society. And when you take us back through the summer, you're right. You know, with certain guidance and with restrictions, we're able to do some things. There were some innovative solutions that our you know that our staff and our associations came up with as we you know as we looked at the the spring and then into the summer. Um, we started the season uh, in a in a way that I think most of us would say seemed a lot more normal than what we started the previous year as, which was which was excellent, but yet fully aware that we weren't in normal status yet. And if, if we maybe, you know, accidentally looked at this as becoming more normal, we realized that, you know, even in October, November, uh, when, you know, we, we looked at helping plans with the, with a sudden change of, of the U18 national championship to then work into having that event in Manitoba, there was a lot of work behind the scenes for a lot of people that, that would not have been normal. Um, but we managed to make it work safely uh, and it was pulled off. And, and I look at the Western League Cup and look at the same thing. The duck paddling under the water uh, was significant in terms of how prepared the system was to do that, to operate those events and make sure they were done in a safe fashion and to try and ensure that we gave those opportunities to our players. And if we fast forward to December and, and some of the, the plans that we were very excited about um, with around the world juniors uh, that were done and planned, uh, we, you know, we got another reminder how quickly um, things can change. And, um, and unfortunately, there's a lot of, no a number of things that we were really excited about um, launching with our members and, and here at our, at our rink here, at Gary W. Harris, but you know, more stuff happened and uh, we had to adjust accordingly, unfortunately. And, and uh, so I guess 2021 finished off with a, with another reminder that things aren't normal yet. And you've got to be prepared to uh, use that word that we, many of us don't like anymore, which is pivot. Yeah, on a, on a positive note now, let's move into the positive side of 2021 because there were bright spots, um, uh, some notable uh, things for the game for Hockey Alberta. I know there's uh, some new board members in 2021. Hockey Alberta hosted its first Indigenous Hockey Summit, I think, which was a huge step forward for the organization and a great learning experience there. So I guess for, for you and for the organization, what were a couple of those bright spots in 2021? I think overall, Ted, what I would say is that we just, we managed to keep hockey going. Obviously we've talked about that, but just in terms of some of the other things we've done, obviously we had the opportunity to the, for the AHL to, to kind of, to fully ramp up and, and operate. Um, you mentioned the indigenous hockey summit, which again was, was one of those items that I think probably had original plans to possibly be in person, but then moved to a virtual and, and ultimately, you know, pulled off a, a terrific uh, opportunity for us to, to host a, a very unique event that we want to continue to do over the course of this Last year, we worked hard to to start our, you know, a quality diversity and inclusion committee, um, which again is something we're we're still in the midst of doing, um, but something that we felt as an organization was was really really important. Um, and I mentioned some of those other things that perhaps um, weren't necessarily strategies for Hockey Alberta, but actually pretty impressive to watch the work behind the scenes get them done. And, and I mentioned, you know, the obviously the under eighteen national championship, and obviously for our Western League Cup as well, and some of the things that went on behind the scenes there. You mentioned uh, new board members. Uh, we're, we're really privileged to have a, another new board, another great new board uh, with three new members. And again, often something that would, would go behind the scenes, but certainly is an important part of, of our board's job. And, and I think I'm tied to that as well, is just the manner in which um, you know, we believe we've, we've improved the process of nomination and, and how board members come to the board. And, and those things are often, uh, often unseen, but at the end of the day, there's been a lot of work behind the scenes 
meetings by our board and, and by many of our staff to make sure that we put ourselves in a position where um, where our organization, our membership uh, has the, the possibility to bring in the most diverse and inclusive uh, board that we possibly can and uh, and ultimately, you know, use that board as our leaders to, uh, to drive us forward. So uh, those are a few of the things, Ted, that, uh, that in addition, some of, some of the things you mentioned. And now... I guess in this climate, like you said, everything has to be approached with a, a sense of cautious optimism. But as we look ahead now to 2022, uh, there there is a lot to look forward to. The provincial championships uh, will return across the province for the first time in two years, as will the Alberta Cup, Alberta Challenge and Prospects Cup, which uh, pretty exciting thing there because that'll be the first time all three are hosted here in Red Deer. A lot to look forward to in the coming years. We kind of continue to navigate this, uh, well, quote unquote, new normal. Absolutely. And and I think, you know, sitting here on January, we're doing this on January 19th, I guess, we we still have full plans to, to operate those events and have the ability to, to do them. We know that we're up for the challenge of any type of adjustments that may need to be made. And we we hope that it's only adjustments that need to be made. Obviously, we're, we're trying to remain optimistic, uh, but it's exciting. It's been, uh, it's been a number of years for us uh, when it comes to provincial championships and, and the ability to host them and, and make sure that they happen. They've, they've always been a highlight of our of our March and early April. Um, and right now, uh, looking positively, we believe that they can happen once again. So um, so that's exciting. Um, but we know, and even some of the work we're doing behind the scenes, that we're probably not in a normal setting now. We, we know we're not in a normal setting now, but we may not be then. So we want to make sure we offer that in the in the safest and, and best way possible. It's really exciting uh, for us to host the Challenge and the Alberta Cup and the prospects here in what we're now, you know, we call our home, our provincial training center. I think there's a great opportunity for us there to, you know, logistically, um, we've done some things in our building now, so we, we know how to work with that. But I think we can make it bigger than just three individual events. I think the opportunity to turn that into truly a, a real exciting time uh, for not just, it certainly will be hosted here in central Alberta in our office, but we know that the participants that come are coming from every corner of our province. So we hope to turn it into something more than just three individual events, which we're very proud of. We hope to, to put the, the cherry on top, so to speak, and and really make sure that for those, you know, those three or three weeks or more that we're in a position where uh, we're really celebrating hockey and uh, not just in central Alberta. We obviously that's where we'll be, but we're celebrating hockey with with all Albertans that are part of those prestigious events. So um, those are some things that are really, you know, we're really looking forward to doing. And and we know that we got a number of other things planned for the summer as well. So I'm crossing my fingers onto the table here uh, and uh, uh, and knowing that uh, we will do everything we can to make sure we operate within the guidance uh, but at the same time, try and make sure we we operate, um, you know, operate safely and, and in a great fashion. Some of the great events we've operated in the past. Yeah, I know it's been uh, I know for me, been a, been a while since we've, uh, I guess, had that first, well, not the first Alberta Cup, but had the Alberta Cup at our office there in Red Deer for the first time. And uh, yeah, it seems like forever ago. I know I'm really looking forward to that again. And like you said, uh, knock on wood, you know, everything has to be day by day, but I know we're, we're moving forward and, and kind of planning for everything. So that's pretty exciting. And as we, as we go forward and, and take things day by day, we know at Hockey Alberta, 
you know, as you try to navigate this uh, this pandemic. Also, at the same time, looking forward a couple of years, even you know, working ahead, really thinking about the future, setting some long term goals. So I know uh, HA twenty twenty five is something that you and uh, and the other staff, other staff at Hockey Alberta, have been working uh, really hard on and working with the board. So maybe talk a, a little bit about that and, and what HA twenty twenty five is all about. One of the things we we um, we've worked through uh, over the last probably twelve to sixteen months is really really evolve you know the evolution of our business plan. So uh, our board uh, and our governance model is there to set the strategy, which they have. Uh, they've set the strategic direction uh, to myself and our staff, uh, and we've worked over the last year or so and tried to make sure we we can try and align that. And we found a methodology we believe will work for us. Uh, not to not to bore bore you with the methodology, but we're you know the objectives and key results. And we feel that they're they're the best opportunity for us to align from our board down to our staff. And, and really, we've created a plan that we feel is we've simplified what we believe is important for Hockey Alberta. One thing about our organization is I, I've always believed, and, and I, I believe I'm correct, that we're very, we're very broad. We have, we have a number of different things that we do from risk management to coach development to on-ice performance to, to a, a, just an absolute ton of governance, both for us and for our membership. Uh, and sometimes I think for us, while we've always been proud of our planning process, uh, sometimes we maybe haven't been as clear and as measured as we should be. So we believe we've set ourselves up for success uh, between now and 2025. Um, and I can certainly share a few of those points here, Ted, but I'll stop talking for a second. Oh, yeah, I would I would say keep going. And I know, too, this is this is available. Like This is public knowledge. It's available on Hockey Alberta's website as well. So it, it's out there and we definitely encourage people to go in and check it out and, and take a look as well, because a lot of work went into it. And I think it, it's a great uh, I guess roadmap of uh, where hockey in our province, where we want to take hockey in our province, well, between now and 2025. Absolutely, and and it really what it's about. Uh, it's it's about you know I'll, I'll paraphrase our mission, but really it's about creating positive player experiences, and that that shouldn't come as a shock to anybody, obviously. But that's what this is all about. You know, one of the things we want to get done by 2025 is we need to look at expanding our stakeholders. You know, our stakeholders currently do a terrific job, and our stakeholders include our coaches. Our stakeholders include obviously our our member minor hockey association, all of our club teams in junior and senior hockey, um, our officials. Um, number of stakeholders do, but we may need to continue to look at expanding that um, in terms of really ensuring that we're the, we're the type of organization that, that wants to include everybody that we can. So we need to do some work there in general terms. We need a system that is, and we've said this before, and we want to continue that it's not one size fits all, uh, that we, we know that there's different customer segments that want different things from our game, including some that want into our game that we have to make more accessible, as I mentioned before. We simply have to continue to work to be more more diverse. We have to continue to do that. We have to make sure that our sport is more inclusive and, and we we attract more people to try. And we we certainly know there's plenty of studies and whatnot on, on why people have not joined our game. And certainly cost continues to be one of those key items. But we also realize that there's, you know, our game can be very intimidating to start at times, uh, you know, w- whether it be the time of the season, the equipment, things that we have to understand better to make sure that there are, there are many reasons why people may not be choosing our game. And we have to, to work with expanded stakeholders to do that. 
we want to drill down. I, I mentioned the word measurement before, and we want to really drill down on, on being more measured. So we believe that our plan will be measured. Our board ultimately will hold, uh, hold me accountable for that. Uh, we want to measure, you know, we measure our existing stakeholders. We want to look at, you know, what the coach development plans are within our respective members. We want to evaluate our members themselves. Uh, and we want to evaluate the experience that players have in their competition. So within, within their leagues and whatnot, we want to just continue to get an annual measurement of where we are and what we need to change. And, and I think as we continue to get more in the habit of doing that, again, our system can appear massive at times and it is, uh, we want to get that feedback and continue to move forward. So I'll, I'll stop there, Ted, for a little bit. And I can certainly get into some of the actual five objectives, but that's, you know, if I was to describe, you know, it's a little bit of a long elevator speech there, but at the end of the day, that's what we want to see by 2025. And we certainly have, you know, five core areas that we believe we want to use to get there. And saying that, um, I'd say that, there's five items. It doesn't mean the rest of our operations are not happening. It just means that uh, we had to prioritize and that's where we came to grips with. And, and we know that in some cases, there's items that uh, some may feel maybe should have been higher on the list, should have been on the list. It, it doesn't change the fact that we ultimately are here to operate the game of hockey, but we believe these, uh, these five things are key things in, in moving us forward. And as you said, they're on our website, but I can certainly share a little bit more about them here. Yeah, I, I would say go ahead and share. I know it's a, a very extensive plan. I think if it wasn't, you know, if it was a two-point, two-line plan, then I think maybe people would be thinking, oh, that's uh, that's not really looking towards the future. So it is uh, really extensive. But yeah, I would say hit on those those five key objectives. And uh, I guess best you can kind of Cole's notes those. No, absolutely. Um, and they are available on our website. I think uh, shout out, to, Ted, to, to you and the entire Marcom department of, of the ability for us to, to probably do as good of a job as we've ever done at sharing these. And we know that in sharing them, uh, there'll be people that uh, fully agree with where we're going and there'll be some that uh, there might be some controversial points in there as well. And, and that's all good. And that was intended for us to make sure we show where we wanted to go. First one. And again, these aren't in any real, uh, they're more ABCDEF, uh, or I guess E uh, in terms of the five, but uh, you know, we want to focus on our leagues and competition. Um, we've continued to do a much better job of aligning, but we know that when you think of what I said, off the top, which is these are all about trying to ensure we maintain and or improve the player experience. I, I'll put my parent hat on for a second. You know, you certainly go through a, a system of, you know, you do your tryouts and, and you do all the things you need, but then you form into your team and you settle in. That's where arguably your experience is for most of the season. We want to make sure that we know that the experience you have in the in your competition, meaning your league competition, wherever that is in the province, that's a huge part of your overall experience. If that league operates and administrates and communicates well, your experience tends to be very strong. So we want to continue to work with our leagues to, to do that. You know, we've had a lot, we believe a lot of success in some of the provincial models around our AFHL first off leading the way and and now our AEHL. Um, but we we believe and we're looking into, you know, what we can do provincially um, within our U13 and U11 models as well. Something that uh, we perhaps haven't done in the past from a provincial standpoint. Not easy work has not been easy work to date, uh, but a lot of work to go. Something I, I won't uh, I won't stray away from, but it's, it's on our plan as well as, as we believe that you know, we do have to look at how our boundary structure works uh, within hockey. And, uh, you know, I've been careful in terms of the words I've used there in terms of look at it. We don't know what the end result is. However, uh, we do know that uh, that 
our customer segments are, are looking at different options and, and we, you know, we have to make sure we look at all of them. So that work will begin in the next, uh, in the next little while as well. Uh, our second one is, is focusing on our, our minor hockey associations. We need to do that. They're, they're the heart of where hockey happens. We know that we, that there's a lot of work there. The last two years have shown us that it's been incredibly difficult at that level. And, and they've, they've shown up uh, more than ever before uh, in terms of being able to deliver the game. And that's, you know, we have just the, the heart of the volume volunteer and, and a number of the professional staff that are in many of our associations is, uh, you know, just unrivaled, I believe. And, and we know that with good associations, we'll make good situations, good recruitment opportunities, and they'll do a great job. So we think that that's just an important part. And I mentioned earlier about the ability to assess and really review who's doing some great things out there. Can we pilot those things in different parts of the province and that, but a huge stakeholder for us and a, a huge part of our, you know, of our five piece plan. This will not shock anybody, but continual priority on our coaches. Uh, a great, and once again, tying back into why, because a great coach makes a great experience for the players. We all know that. We have a huge system. We have you know over 3,000 hockey teams in, in our province. Uh, every one of them is their own, um, their own living, breathing life form, uh, often with significant leadership from the coach and obviously the manager too. But our coach has the ability to truly impact the experience in a very positive way. Um, and we have so many great coaches out there already. We want to continue to help them be the best coaches they can be for our system. And we're very proud of the, the system we've set up already, but th this isn't one of those ones that we felt could just be, it's another operational piece. We believe so strongly that this is, this is the huge, this is one of the top priorities, obviously, in making sure that experience continues to be great. Our fourth is we'll, we'll add and we'll find a way to retain players. Um, we've got a number of initiatives. I mentioned early off the top that by 2025, I would hope that we'll see new stakeholders, but we, we want to continue to have new initiatives to expand our ability to, to offer recreational programs and, and tie those provincially uh, to continue to work hard with our Hockey Alberta Foundation on our Every Kid, Every Community platform. Uh, they've had such a successful last year that we can can take advantage of that with respect to what we can pass on to to our members as well. So those are those are huge things for us. Uh, we have an initiative that we want to start as, in terms of we've heard for years that, and I think some of us have seen it in practice that sometimes uh, there are hockey players in our system uh, that maybe they change change why they want to be in the game when they turn 13, 14. Maybe they want a little bit less. Uh, maybe they they don't want the same things that some of the high performance athletes do um, is, are there ways that we can uh, look at creating opportunities to keep players in the game uh, from that 13, 14 years old into 17, uh, you know, and graduate them into playing adult, adult hockey afterwards. Um, can we do more things there? And we know that there's some great pilots out there already, and we want to continue to work on that. And lastly, one that, you know, again, we're a nonprofit sport organization. Um, we've always been very proud of that. The, the four, priorities or objectives I've talked about are, are really about uh, the player experience. And, and we, we believe this ultimately is as well, maybe in a little different way, but we want to continue to diversify our revenue and our finance. Um, we've been very fortunate over the last number of years to, to, I believe, manage our finances very well. We still maintain that we have some of the lowest fees in the country around our player fees. Uh, our Every Kid, Every Community platform and our Hockey Alberta Foundation has allowed us some flexibility to try some new programs where you know, where we don't necessarily have to 
charge the existing customer more to try some new things. So that's been a, a huge thing for us. Uh, but we believe that, you know, we've continued to build our brand. Uh, we believe that, you know, we've already got some terrific partners and we believe we can reach out and get some more partners to, um, to diversify our revenue so that it's not, it's not focused simply on, on player revenue, uh, but we can expand, you know, our sponsorship and partner revenue. We can look at some new ways of, of gaining additional revenue, whether that's, you know, additional licensees, um, things like that. You know, we know that there's been a lot of success and, and a lot of different changes around 50, 50, maybe there's some things we continue to do around there. So some could ask, well, why, why is that? You know, if, if I was saying, you know, it's all about the positive player experience, how's that one tie in there? We believe that the more we can diversify, uh, the, the less we, we will hopefully be in a position where we have to, you know, charge our members, the nominal fee that we charge already. Uh, and that will allow us to continue to do more things. And, and I mentioned this already, but a great example of that is, is just the work that our foundation has done and, and the ability for us to access some of those funds and our membership to access some of those funds that, that have not come from operational fees. So I, I think that that's a, a real life example and, and we believe that's an important focus. So, you know, that was a, a little more than an elevator speech, uh, Ted, but uh, it does give a bit of a, a bit of a description of where we're at. And, and as you mentioned, and, and I've highlighted as well, it's something that we've, we've shown the highlights on our website as well and certainly encourage people to go take a look. Yeah, no, I thought that was a, a great over overview. Again, it's a lot of information, a lot of things, but it is also all on one sheet of paper. Somehow we, we, we got it down there. So again, I encourage everyone to go to, to hockeyalberta.ca and, and look at that as well, because I think it's uh, of course important to look to the future, but I think it's great to give everyone too the opportunity to look into, I guess, the inner workings of the organization and, and see where where hockey is going. So again, uh, appreciate the the look into that uh, as well. And and I think if at least between you and I, we know that actually was the Rob Litwinski short form of HA 2025. Yeah, I guess uh, that's, that's something I got to keep working on. Hey, so, um, but uh, the secret item number six. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, uh, the sheets does a far better job of that, but uh, I do appreciate the, the opportunity to put a little bit of context into uh, you know, what bullet points or, or, you know, we got it's great graphics and whatnot. So I do appreciate the chance to talk, obviously uh, a lot of passion for, for where we're trying to go um, and, and really repeat that, you know, this started from a board strategic direction um, and, and we've worked hard um, and we didn't, I even said this at our annual meeting, I'd suggest that probably 16 months ago, we thought we had had this and we weren't there yet. And uh, we put a lot of work back into it and, and we did that in the middle of a pandemic. So, um, you know, I, I think uh, there's probably some staff that uh, when they hear me say that, know the moment where we said, we're still not there yet. It probably wasn't the most uh, popular moment with some of them, but uh, I believe that we kept at it and uh, I believe we're on the right track. Well, again, thank you for, well, really, again, for coming on here third time, uh, first three-time guest, and I think maybe the the number one fan of this podcast as well. So it's always great to have you on, and we won't keep you, but we do appreciate, I think it's always great to have that inside look into the organization, I guess, for lack of a better term, a bit of a state of the union on where Hockey Alberta is at and where Hockey Alberta is going. So I'm sure we'll have you on again sometime in the not too distant future. And, and hopefully by then, you know, maybe we can even up the score and have an in-person interview. But nonetheless, uh, thank you again for taking the time to do this. 
No, I look forward to evening the score for sure, Ted. But uh, thanks for having me on once again. And uh, once again, shout out to uh, to you and 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 Steve and, and the whole team on what we've done with this podcast. And when it comes to our, our plan, our plan for 2025, just uh, I think we've done a great job of making sure that we had the chance to, to put some context to it in multiple ways. So thanks for that. And uh, look forward to if there's a next time, but always look forward to uh, listening to you every time a new podcast comes out, Ted. So uh, I'll keep the number one fan hat on. Thank you again to Hockey Alberta CEO Rob Litwinski for once again taking the time for a candid discussion about really all things Hockey Alberta, the year that was, uh, the year that's coming up, and really looking all the way into the future You know, with Hockey Alberta 2025. So that officially makes him the first three-time guest on the Center Ice podcast, which I don't know if that's a, a real prestigious honor or not, but Rob, you have it anyway, so congratulations. And we have a two-time guest, or who will now be a two-time guest, coming up in just a bit. But first, as always, it's time to check in on what's going on around the province. So here's what you need to know. Female Hockey Day is fast approaching, set for Saturday, January 29th in Lloydminster. So there is still time to sign up to take part in the celebration. If you're not into hockey yet, there is a try hockey session for both youth and adults, uh, which will be pretty cool. You get to, you know, use the equipment. You don't need your own equipment. It'll be provided for you and you can go out and try the game, see if you like it. And there's also a coaching basics for hockey mom session as well. So a couple great ways to introduce yourself to the game or learn a little bit more if you're not that familiar with hockey. Uh, Either way, registration is open right up until the day before. So if you are interested, head to hockeyalberta.ca. Staying on the subject of female hockey, Hockey Alberta has an exciting new opportunity to join our team as the very first mentor for female hockey. We've heard coach mentor Barry Midori on the show a couple of times now and Hockey Alberta is looking for a mentor to focus on all aspects of female hockey. So again, a a very cool opportunity for someone out there. So if you are interested, head to hockeyalberta.ca for more details and get your application in before January 31st. A quick congratulations to Hockey Alberta's Coach of the Month for December, Randall Thiessen of Edmonton. Randall's been coaching for eight years in the Millwoods organization in Edmonton and is currently the head coach of the U13 Millwoods Bruins and an assistant coach with the U7 Millwoods Polar Bears, so a a very busy guy. Uh, Congratulations again, Randall. If you want to recognize an outstanding coach in your community, you can nominate them now and they could win a coaching package from Players Bench Team Apparel worth over $500. You can find the nomination form at, you guessed it, hockeyalberta.ca. Last but certainly not least, thanks to a $1.5 million grant from the Edmonton Oilers Community Foundation, over $600,000 went out to minor hockey associations in Northern Alberta to help grow the game and make it more accessible through Hockey Alberta's member program grant. Now minor hockey associations in Northern Alberta can once again apply for this member program grant with the next deadline coming on February 28th. So again, for all the details there, you can head to hockeyalberta.ca. That's what you need to know. Let's go now to Kara Spady, who has our next guest. With us now is Alberta's own Lacey Sanek, who was recently chosen as an official for the 2022 Winter Olympics. Hi, Lacey. Thanks for joining us today. How's it going? Things are good. and uh, Thanks for having me on the podcast again. Yeah. Second timer here. So first off, congratulations on being named as a referee for the women's hockey tournament at the 2022 Olympics. What does this designation mean to you? 
I mean, it's, you know, it's the pinnacle of, of officiating for myself and, and it's, you know, an unbelievable honor to be able to be selected as part of one of the officials in the group that's going, um, you know, it's been a unique couple of years and, and to finally kind of reach that goal. It's, uh, pretty surreal. Yeah. For those of you who are new to the podcast, we talked to Lacey in episode 11 and heard about her background in hockey and the experiences she's had as an official. When we talked to you last spring, though, Lacey, you had called the Olympics a pipe dream. How does it make you feel that your pipe dream is coming true? Uh, I mean, it's always kind of been a pipe dream just because it's, you know, it's every four years, it's a very small group of officials going, but now that that dream has come true and, and it's, you know, I think we leave in about, uh, 19 days. Uh, so now that it's there, it's like people ask, you know, what, what's it feel like? What words do you use to describe it? And, and it's pretty, you don't have the words. It's pretty indescribable, but yeah, the pipe dream is, is come alive and it's come to fruition. And, and now I guess it's set the goals on something else. <laughs> Yeah, you mentioned that this is the pinnacle of officiating for you. And in women's hockey, especially the Olympics is the pinnacle of the sport. Is there a different feeling or level of pressure heading into the Olympics as opposed to other national events? Uh, I mean, I think the Olympics and, and, you know, women's worlds, I mean, it's the best of the best, you know, in female hockey and it's the best teams and the best players in the best countries. And I mean, you know, the Olympics, they're, they're competing for a gold medal and, and, you know, and it's once in every four years that it happens, it's, it's not like it's an every year thing uh, like a women's world. So I think it's it's just it's a very special moment for for the players and the fans and the officials and and everyone involved because it is, you know, one in in every four years. It's not an everyday or every year event. So, yeah, you've mentioned the women's world. Um, Did you have an idea that you'd be working the Olympics or how did you find out? Uh, so there was a long list of officials. Uh, so I, I was on the long list, uh, and that kind of came about after, after, uh, worlds in Calgary, uh, in August. Um, and then we met as a group in, in Denmark, uh, in, I guess, early November. And, and it was the officials that were on the list and we knew that there was cuts to be made. And yeah, it was, you know, when, when I was selected, it was, I mean, still, it left you pretty, pretty speechless and pretty thankful because you never know what can happen in in their decisions. So, so the process is kind of like right now, the women's team centralized in Calgary, they have cuts to be made. It's kind of the same process for officials. Then you got, you gathered in Denmark and do you want to talk about that experience? Yeah, for sure. So we met as a group. Uh, so there was 31 of us, uh, both uh, referees and lines persons, and then the coaches that were on the list. Uh, so we met in Denmark. Uh, we had, I think we were there about three days. We had one day that was, you know, off ice fitness testing, which was fantastic. <laughs> you know, everyone's favorite thing is to do the off ice. Um, we didn't actually touch the ice in Denmark. Uh, we were just there, you know, doing classroom sessions, um, did some seminars, uh, going over the rules, sort of, you know, potentially what to expect in Beijing, you know, different things like that. And then actually from Denmark, we split into three groups and we went to the three uh, remaining events for the qualifiers. So a group went to Sweden, a group went to Germany and a group went to the Czech Republic. And we worked the, the final qualification rounds for the, the teams that were there. So, you know, it was it was pretty interesting going from Denmark on to I ended up in the Czech Republic and, and working those games. Uh, so worked a couple of games and, and then, you know, we all came home and, you know, and it's then you sit back and wait and, and wait for that phone call and, and to see whether or not you were selected. So 
That's a blur because you said that happened in November, right? So here we are at the beginning of January and we've already been to Denmark, the Czech, and now you're going to Beijing. So that's pretty exciting. When you're notified, do you know how many games you'll get or do you just find out that once you're there? Yeah, we we kind of find out once we're there, right? So um, I imagine it's going to be very similar to other events where, you know, you kind of get a couple days of assignments at a time and and then it's kind of day by day after that. So we have no idea how many games we're going to work. You're not guaranteed anything and you go and, you know, treat every game like it's your last and leave it all out on the ice. So it sounds like you've been busy already (laughs) preparing with the, I guess, the referees across the world um, and officials. But now that you said you're 19 days away from leaving, uh, what are your next steps and what does your preparation look like heading into the Olympics? Uh, Well, you know, it it would be nice if we didn't have to say this, but uh, because of COVID, uh, you know, definitely limiting a lot of interactions with people, uh, limiting games just because of of the risk, especially with this new variant and stuff, um, which is unfortunate. You know, it would be nice to be able to work up right until the day I leave kind of thing. Um, But because of that and and the additional measures that we have to take, um, it's just, yeah, limiting, limiting the interactions with, with people sort of outside of the bubble, like outside of my bubble, I guess. Um, but, you know, still getting out on the ice where I can, uh, getting in some skates just to, to stay going and, and just working on the off ice stuff. So, you know, running, biking, all of that wonderful, you know, non-hockey related stuff. <laughs> yes, that fitness stuff that is oh so lovely, as you said. Yeah. <laughs> is, is that kind of the main part of what your preparation and training would be as an official anyways, is the fitness levels? Yeah, for sure. You know, I, I've really, you know, drawn to the off ice training and, and fitness uh, over the last few years. And and I mean, it's something that I look forward to kind of every day and, you know, the cold days, not so much, uh, you know, you don't really want to go outside for a run, but you know, when the sun's shining and it's kind of nice out, it's like, Hey, you know, it's nice to get a break and some fresh air and, and get moving. So I've always enjoyed training uh, the last number of years and, and I've really taken to it. So, you know, it's, it's part of the prep, uh, obviously, you know, rules and, and sort of more the the head in the book and in the rule book um is is part of it as well but um you know now it's you know looking more okay what do i need to bring you know what do i need to prepare for in china and, and thinking about things like that so yeah and going to china so often we hear about the olympic experience from an athlete or coach perspective but as an official do you get to stay in the olympic village or participating in the opening ceremonies or are officials in like their own bubble of sorts uh, so in normal circumstances from speaking to other officials that have gone, usually, you know, you go to opening ceremonies and, and things like that. Um, we don't stay in the athlete's village. Uh, we're in a hotel, um, you know, and in this situation, it's, you know, a, a safe hotel, uh, you know, it's, it's attached to the Olympics, but yeah, this year, unfortunately, there's no opening ceremonies uh, for anyone really uh, just because of, of the COVID protocols, um, which is unfortunate, you know, but at the same time from speaking to the other officials, you know, it's a lot of sitting around outside and, and if the temperatures are cold, it's, it's can be pretty cold. Um, but it's, you know, at the same time, it'd be nice to take that in and, and experience it, but I'm sure there'll be other things for us that we can, we can take in and experience instead. Yeah. I think that the opening ceremonies is for sure that experiencing. And I've heard that at a lot of places, that's a moment where it really kicks in that you're there, you're at the Olympics. And so I guess not having that, uh, will be tough, but as you said, the Olympic experience is something special 
when you started officiating, was there a moment where you were like, Hey, I can turn this into something. I want to be at the international level, or is it more a process that suddenly you're in a position where it was possible to work on this at the international stages? Uh, I think it was probably three or four years in that, you know, I, th- I thought, okay, yeah, there, there's an opportunity here for, for international events and, and, you know, working into that system, but it was also a difficult process too, uh, because, you know, you kind of have to get your, your foot in the door with the IHF and, and be seen. Uh, you know, I, I actually kind of joke because my first international event, I went as a linesman and it was actually in China. Uh, I was in, uh, in Shanghai for an Olympic qualifier. And I think it was like 2013 or 2012, um, so it's kind of, you know, kind of go the full circle, right? My first event was in China and my first Olympics is in China. Right. So, but yeah, I mean, kind of once, once I kind of realized like there's potential to succeed, it was okay. You know, now, now the, the dream is out there and, and the goals are out there. So it was, you know, the carrot's been dangled and I'm going to chase it. So, so like you said, like a large part of getting to that international stage is being seen by that, the IHF and getting your foot in the door there. It wasn't that long ago, there were hardly any female officials, let alone at that international level. So what does it say about the development of females in the game to have a whole slate of female officials heading to Beijing this year? It shows that, you know, countries and associations are are investing in female hockey and, and, and female officials, um, you know, and providing the different opportunities. And, and I think that's fantastic. Um, you know, I, I know some of my, my colleagues in other countries, you know, they don't have exposure to female hockey, so they you know, they officiate male hockey and, you know, the fact that they're able to go in and officiate male hockey and, and not, you know, it's not a consideration and it's not, you know, oh, you're a female, you can't do this, I think is remarkable. And, and that's how it should be. And, and I, you know, in Canada, we're very fortunate. We have a lot of female hockey from coast to coast. Uh, and as a female official, you can skate it. But, you know, I think there's definitely opportunities as well to, to grow and develop in the male game uh, because the, the games are, are different um, and you're going to learn things in, in both games that are going to help you in, in your career path. So for you personally, regularly, are you officiating male, female, both? Uh, it is both. Uh, it's more male. Um, over the years, it's definitely been more male hockey than female hockey. Um, you know, the last number of years, uh, I think the only female hockey that I was really skating was uh, youth sport. So our university level. Um, and then, you know, for myself, it was mostly male hockey. So, you know, I had junior A, uh, ACAC, um, and then our under 18 triple, I skated that for a number of years. So probably I would say for myself, 95% of my hockey was male and, and that 5% was, was just youth sport female. So, um, in years past, it was, you know, kind of almost reverse where it was more female than male. Uh, but kind of once I cut my teeth on the male side and started to progress up that ladder, um, you know, the, unfortunately the male hockey kind of took over more than the female, but I definitely took every opportunity I could to skate a female game. When we talk about the development of the programs and as you mentioned, the how countries are investing in the female side of it, uh, how has the Hockey Alberta or Hockey Canada officials programs played a part in your own development? Oh, huge. I mean, you know, I, I always say and, and, you know, and I said it that I owe a lot of gratitude to Hockey Alberta and to Hockey Canada for, for where I am. Uh, and, and even to the association that I started in, in St. Albert, uh, if it wasn't for the individuals involved there that, you know, saw potential and, and helped me, 
in St. Albert to get into, you know, sort of more of the provincial into the Hockey Alberta eyes and, and then the individuals within Hockey Alberta that got me, you know, in front of the Hockey Canada stuff. If it wasn't for them, you know, it, it's hard to say would I be where I am today? You don't know, but, you know, I, I'm very thankful for the part that every single person has played in, in my development as an official. And, you know, I owe a lot of thanks and gratitude to, to everyone and, you know, from Hockey Canada, Hockey Alberta, down to the different regions in, in the province and, and then, you know, St. Albert itself. Yeah, you have had an amazing career so far and very much looking forward to watching you in Beijing. Uh, but lastly, Lacey, you didn't start refereeing until you were 23. Do you have any words of encouragement or motivation for officials that are just getting started? Honestly, you don't have to be, you know, 13, 14 to get started. Uh, you know, I like I said, you said, I started at 23. But if you want to officiate, just go for it. Like I always say, and, and I've said it time and time again, the opportunities are truly endless, um, you know, especially for females. I mean, there's so many opportunities out there and, and males as well. Like, um, you know, I've gotten to travel the world. I've got friends around the world. Um, you know, I've got friends coast to coast here in Canada. Honestly, just if you want to stay involved in the game, do it. Like officiating, you're definitely a different breed uh, and a different type of person to do it. But the, the opportunities are there to excel and, and to see the world. Yeah. Often we don't think that we have three teams in hockey, but we do. And there's room for everyone in it. So if you're interested in becoming an, an official, there's definitely room for you and the opportunities. Uh, as a Canadian, you aren't allowed to officiate your country's games. So patriotically, I hope I don't see you officiating the gold medal game at this year's Olympics. But I do wish you the best of luck in Beijing and hope to see you in the bronze medal game. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, but, you know, there might be a change. I don't know. We, we saw it at World Juniors where we had uh, Canadians in the Canadian game and we had uh, different nationalities in, in with the, their nation's team. So maybe there'll be a changing of the guard here. I mean, at, at Calgary, I was able to do the preliminary round game between Canada and USA. So, I mean, who knows? I mean, the IHF is progressing. So maybe you'll see me in the gold. Maybe you'll see me in the bronze. I'm not sure. But uh, regardless, I'm going to go and give it my all. So Well, then hopefully, fingers crossed, there's a changing of the guard for you and we can see you and Canada there. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you once again to Lacey Senek and congratulations to her for an incredible honor. I think it's it's easy to focus all the time and celebrate the success of players or even coaches or anyone involved in that side of the game. But sometimes I think it gets overlooked just how hard officials work, uh, the dedication they put in to be the best they can be and achieve their goals as well. So to see one of Alberta's top officials get the call to work the Olympics to go to Beijing and, and represent our province is pretty incredible. Uh, and we're very happy to celebrate that. So with that, episode 19 of the Center Ice podcast comes to a close. One last thank you to Rob Litwinski, Lacey Senek, and Kara Spady, and of course to producer Steve. I'm Ted Emmett. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Center Ice podcast. For this episode and more, head to hockeyalberta.ca. If there's a topic you'd like covered on an upcoming episode, Email info at hockeyalberta.ca.